Hello, everybody. It's Nate here. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I got a familiar face in here with me to talk through some of the biggest risers and fallers in the dynasty landscape today. But first, let's get the intro. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. Well, the familiar face is none other than Mr. Nubs himself. Timmy, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. I finally get to record with my boy. We haven't recorded right. before. I'm so, or like one-on-one. I'm so happy. So yeah, I'm we've really been talking about this. this all summer. We've been talking about it since <laughs> Canton, at least. Probably before that, right? Oh, yeah. And I definitely bothered you at Canton about it a little bit. <laughs> for sure no it's all good i'm happy we made it we made it happen here tonight we got lots of players that we want to talk about so i say we just jump right in with the first one well actually first we got to mention toronto dave's in the chat hey td what's what up, up td all right let's talk about kirk cousins i think uh we need to recognize kirk cousins a little bit he had a bit of a mediocre game this past week but he's still qb8 on the season sixth in yards per attempt so he's getting it done all over the field and it just feels like once again kirk cousins is the cheapest qb1 you can buy in dynasty and the perfect guy to add to your contending squads what do you think about kirk cousins you think this is the full season like this do you foresee anything different coming this season uh, in terms of what you can expect from him for fantasy or is he just once again that guy that you buy if you're contending well i think you buy him but i, I this is going to be dumb but it's going to depend on if cam Akers can make that running game good i'm kidding by the way it's not going to change uh, <laughs> attempts so far in the season 44 44 50 and 19 which is why he had a, he had a low week last week so yeah. i'm not really too worried that was a awkward game through having a 99 yard pick six to start the game like what yeah <laughs> and it didn't really help my jordan my jordan addison start the week with uh mm -hmm. zero receptions on one target but mm -hmm. no i don't i don't really see this changing i think the, the the target leader on the week may change if it i'm not saying jefferson's probably not going to change but like if it's going to be a hawkinson game or if it's going to be more of the receivers but hawkinson's yeah. been pretty solid too so i think it's more of a just who's competing for wide receiver two targets right now yeah yeah i'm into cousins once again like i mean the guy's 35 years old but how many more seasons like he hasn't shown us anything that he's fallen off the one thing i will say like obviously it's a pretty prime situation for a pocket quarterback right like when you think about pocket quarterbacks they have a little bit less um a little bit less in terms of the moat between their production if they if cousins if this is cousin swan song in minnesota if they do decide to go elsewhere this offseason as has been rumored then once you look past this season then you start to wonder about what is uh, what a ceiling might be he might be a guy who goes to one of those terrible teams that's just looking for a veteran quarterback to plug and play uh, similar to like what the Raiders did with Jimmy Garoppolo this year. You know, obviously I think Cousins is a better quarterback than Garoppolo, but at the same time, it's, it could be a much, much worse situation next year. So I think you do kind of view Cousins as pretty much just for this year. And then whatever he gives you beyond that is a little bit of gravy. Um, but I think he's a pretty clear contending buy, in my opinion. And 
yeah, you just anticipate he's going to have lots of games this season where he's going to do plenty for you through the air. Another quarterback that I want to talk about with you, Jimmy, is Trevor Lawrence. QB 19 on the season so far has not lived up to expectations of his fantasy managers whatsoever. 23rd in yards per attempt, too, which is not a great look. We expect this team to be pretty good, right? Like the whole offseason, uh, <laughs> there is a lot of hype about, you know, it's Ridley, it's Kirk, they're They've got Engram at tight end. They've got Zay Jones, who's a legitimate number three. Like, it all seems to have evaporated a little bit. And I think there's a few fantasy managers out there that are a little bit worried about Trevor Lawrence, who they viewed as their ensconced QB1 on their contending squad. And now they're wondering what to do, as he's been pretty lackluster for their fantasy squad so far. So what are you doing with Lawrence? And are you interested in acquiring him if you think there might be a buy window here? What do you think? I do. I think I think if there is any opportunity to buy at a reasonable price, and when I say reasonable, I, I mean like like preseason, not preseason levels in terms of cost. I'm going after it. Um, 23 year old quarterback. I think he's proven enough that we can believe that he's going to have a job for a very long time in this league. And if this is like the worst that we see from him, obviously you could see worse, but he's probably not going to have a job if we see worse like that. I think that you're only going to see better and better numbers. Uh, over his career or even through the rest of the season as well. I think it's, he's a pretty easy buy as long as you're not paying like the three first price. And I know that like there was a lot of talk about Ridley being like top five upside and all this other stuff, but I don't think Ridley or any receiver technically is really going to be the driving force behind Lawrence's success. It's going to be Lawrence. But I also believe that this run game really hasn't been that good against good defenses. Like if we even look at like ETN, right? ETN has had two games under 75 yards and only one touchdown in the first week of the season on like what the last four or five minutes of the game where they really haven't been effective on the ground. So I think that would help them a lot as well as I want to, you know, kind of beg the question if not T law, right. And we're talking about the available quarterbacks in, in your dynasty leagues or in your fantasy leagues, who are you going to play over them? Right. You're, if you're trading them away, you, you're, probably going to ask for a good amount as you should and you're probably going to get somewhere close to what he's what he's going to be scoring for points anyway so unless you're getting a pretty good king's ransom back there's really no reason to move him for one of these rental quarterbacks like we talk kirk cousins again real quick kirk cousins if he goes to a team that like can't pass protect as much or has him really have to like ad lib it's not going to be good where lawrence is a little bit more um versatile when it comes to just even what his skill set is as well as he continues to develop because another thing to me like um, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I, I love quarterbacks that can read and rip that prove their, their staying power. That's why cousin still has a job. Like people can say he's mm -hmm. trash all, all they want, but he makes the right reads. A lot of the time he makes the first reads correctly a lot of the time. And that's why he still has, has a job. And um, if Lawrence is able to kind of continue to develop that out, I know that he was one of the quickest triggers last year already. So if he's able to do that, I just think that the ceiling is much higher than this. And um, if we're seeing like his bad games now and he's still like middle tier quarterback, it's no reason he couldn't be top 12. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'd definitely be interested in sending out some feeler offers for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, there is still probably some risk that he's more like a back-end QB1, high-end QB2 than maybe like the QB6-7 that he was uh, coming off the board at in a lot of redraft spots. So there's definitely that risk there, but in terms of like a dynasty asset, like it just doesn't get safer in my opinion than a guy like Trevor Lawrence. Um, 
the only thing that might be interesting is if there's some sort of pivot to like an Anthony Richardson or something like that. If Richardson is a guy that you're interested in, give me your take on Richardson real quick. I think there was a lot of narrative obviously is, uh, uh, Definitely when I watched him play in college, he was spraying the ball all over the place. It was not pretty, but you could see a few positive things like good pocket presence and obviously the ability to run uh, at a pretty elite level when he did take off. So what's your take on Richardson? We've seen some, I would say some pretty good stuff out of Richardson so far, probably better than I expected anyway. Uh, and so I've risen, I, I would say appropriately uh, in my rankings on Richardson so far. But like, is that something you would even entertain if you've got Trevor Lawrence and you're looking at, you know, just fantasy points per game, what Richardson might be able to give you if you're in a contending spot where you don't want to give up that use, but you do want to pivot to somebody who's having potentially a better season? Is it just too early to make that call? What do you think about that particular situation? I really, I, I was rooting for Richardson coming out, but I had very little faith in him. But I really liked what I've seen so far. He's shown a lot of confidence to stay in the pocket a lot of the time. He does um, really well off play action where he he does mm -hmm. do the read and rip that we're looking for from a lot of quarterbacks. Four rushing touchdowns, one pick on the season. So he's played really well. But when it comes to trading up, I have, um, I have my own reservations about doing so. Because when you trade up, let's say you have to put something on top, like, um, I'm not even sure what would be considered uh, adequate right now based on how Richardson is playing. But let's say it's a first-round pick. And it's, it's even, let's say, it's a back-end first-round currently. That means that Richardson has to keep performing that way week over week over week consistently, um, much more of the time than a bust could even be because of the fact that you have so much capital buried into him. And that's where I get stuck. I made a trade this offseason where I gave up a first um, on top of uh, some other deals where I moved Mac Jones and I got uh, Justin Fields back where for me, Justin Fields has to put up 22 to 24 minimum every week for that, that paid play to be worth it because that first gives me so much versatility, so much flexibility, mm -hmm. so much agility that I can do anything. I can use it during the draft. I could use it week 13 uh, this season and go get myself a difference maker right before the, the playoffs. So when it comes to putting so much capital in, and I think that's where we're a lot of teams are getting stuck. Even if we look at like the running back position, where they've over-invested on players. Obviously, we can't predict injuries. We're not ever going to try that. We don't victory lap injuries either. But it happens, and then your whole your whole season can be sunk, and you don't have your pick. So things like that yeah. really matter to me. So I, I like to stay versatile, but you know, if I could do a one-for-one, one, it wouldn't be something I would you know shy away from in terms of discussion, but it really depends on what that key piece is on top. For sure. Yeah, just for context right now, if you're looking at keep trade cut, which is at least some barometer of the current market, you've got Anthony Richardson QB6 and Trevor Lawrence QB8, but very similar in terms of the value over there. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about some running backs. So definitely I want to talk about the Miami backfield. Right, he Mostert right now is the RB2 on the season. Uh, which is obviously not uh, wasn't on most people's bingo card to start the year. But here we are. He's got an 11% target share, if you can believe that. Uh, but then you also have A-Chan. Uh, I've been saying A-Chan all offseason, so I'm going to have to get used to that one. But A-Chan comes in, and he's looking like the real deal and a great fit in this offense as well. And it feels like uh, a solid lightning and lightning combination that they're running with out of the backfield there. And A-Chan actually kind of outsnapped him and seemed like he took the job a little bit, uh, this week at least, uh, for one week. Are you 
overreacting to this, underreacting to this? Do you think Mostert is worth the price of admission? Like, I feel like you might not get Mostert for a second anymore just because people might think that he's just too valuable to their team as long as he's, as long as they're a contending team, obviously. Like, uh, I wonder what you actually have to give up to get Mostert, but he is kind of like that prototype of the backs that we talk about every year where you can give up a second and get a back who's like a at least a back-end RB1, early R- or uh, late RB1 or early RB2 for a second. It seems like every year Mostert seems to fit that bill. I'm curious your thoughts on him and the Miami backfield in general. Yeah, I, I don't think I think it's going to be tough to try to go make an offer for him, but I don't also think I'm selling him either. Now, there could be a quicker trigger owner that sees that there. Oh, there was a shift this week. Um, Mostert's runs course, but I think anyone that's acquired Mostert knows at some point he's going to run his course in the season. And yeah. you're just going to you're going to be able to use as many weeks as he provides you and then you're going to move on. So. I, I two fumbles this week doesn't really help his case about being the guy, but I don't think his his uh, weeks of being productive are over. Even before last week, we I talked about this with Skyler. He could have had zero in week three and been RB fifteen on the season. So there's there's a lot to look forward to with you know how he's in this offense and and his role, how he should still have it because even if A chain is the the guy, they're still going to need to flex him out or give him some rest. So I think Mostert still has those opportunities for lightning quick touchdowns like he does anyway right now. So there's always that opportunity for him to stay as an RB2 or even even better than that. So at this point, I don't think I'm buying him, but I also don't think I'm selling him just because most of your league mates that you're probably trying to sell to are going to drop their their offers. And I don't think they're going to be good enough for a guy that especially in redraft is going to help you win. And in dynasty doesn't net you enough in return for the points he's scoring. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably where we're going to end up on him. Obviously off this past game, you know, maybe there's a manager out there in your league. Who's like, Oh, the shine is worn off. You know, it's totally a chance show here. Seven attempts for nine rushing yards. This is the real Raheem Mostert. Um, and maybe they're willing to move off him for a second and just kind of reap a little bit of a reward in their mind, like a value win kind of play. And you can kind of get that cheap RB production if that's something you really need. But I feel like it's still a little bit early in the season for me to be making that call. Like we're going to have other running backs emerge later on. And I feel like if I if I need that RB right now, then am I really that contender (laughs) that I think I am? And just in general, when I'm targeting my running backs on my contending squads and I feel like I need to fill that out, I'm looking to do it a little bit later in the season. So that's kind of where I'm at with Mostert. I don't think I'm going out to acquire him. I'm loving life if I've got him on my teams, um, but I don't think I'm going out to acquire him just yet. We do have a comment in here. Lions fan could be biased, needs some advice. Dropping Judy and picking up Jamison Williams. Obviously, this is a redraft question. Has Diggs and Adams already? What do you think, Tim? Are you into Jamison Williams? I've been a known Jamison Williams hater, so maybe, uh, and I am a Broncos fan, so this uh, this might be not be a question for me, but maybe you can help him out here. I can't get rid of Judy. I mean, there's got to be someone else on my bench unless it's just like a four t- four person bench to move for Jameson. But then you have to ask yourself how much depth do you need when you have Diggs and Adams? Because unless they sure. get injured, you're really not going to be rotating those guys out. So you're really just trying to locate that. If it's a start wide receiver, three wide receiver and maybe a flex, probably only really trying to locate one other wide receiver to play. Now, Judy's not been 
the best ever, but like he what he has double digits, I think the last two weeks, I'm pretty sure. So he's not he's not giving you zeros. So I, I'd rather have Judy, but you know, you could pick up Jameson and hold him to try to see what the upside is. You know, if he does end up hitting, even a guy you could flip, or if you have a big matchup and you're just trying to hope for you know the biggest ceiling possible, that might be a time when you play Jameson. But I'm not just outright dropping Judy. I just don't think you can do that right now. My my opinion on a lot of things when it comes to redraft, I know that we're talking dynasty mostly in the show, but my opinion is that the season's short but long at the same time. There's no reason to ever get like just drop studs like people were telling you to drop Mike Evans a couple years ago. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't ever listen to that garbage. Just because they're so good. And even on teams that are, are underperforming or bad, right? It only takes one week for them to turn around. It only takes them one week to put up 30 out of nowhere, especially when they're good players, even like, like a chase, right? So I don't really want to shy away too much from those guys. You know, I'm not I'm not trading performing players for underperforming players if they're completely different tiers. But that's something I definitely want to hold on to is that you only can chase target share for so long and you have to lean into your studs. It's just it's just the way you have to perform it unless you're going to get super lucky. Yeah, yeah totally agree with that all right let's keep rolling let's talk about your guy here we got to talk about brian robinson timmy rb7 in ppr so far on the young season now there could be some tear breaks between you know maybe christian mccaffrey and the rest of the world at this point but uh yeah rb7 uh, on the young season what are we doing with ryan robinson at this point you you've made your proclamation the proclamation has come true at least to some extent now mm-hmm. it's been a little bit uh up and down the last couple of games haven't been quite as good but he's been he scored uh, four touchdowns in four games. He's obviously a key part of the ground attack. He's had more double-digit attempts in every single game between 10 and 19 attempts. Um, the one game against the Bills was not so great, but he still had 70 rushing yards even in that game. The uh, targets here are obviously the little bit concerning uh, for most fantasy managers, especially if you're in a, some sort of PPR format. He's only got seven targets in four games. So is this like a sell high moment perhaps on Brian Robinson? Uh, I feel like you're you're probably the guy who is highest on Brian Robinson coming into the season from all of us here at JWB. So I feel like you're a good person to ask, are you selling Brian Robinson at this point or are you still hanging on and rolling with the production? For me, it's all about how he's, he's perceived. I have remained steadfast on that. You should always perceive him as a as an RB2. So if you're right. able to sell him for more than RB2 value, that's something you can definitely pursue, especially if it's, an, if it's an RB upgrade based on talent. And if it's a dynasty league, and let's say you can absorb it, and I'm not saying this is something that is going to be available in your marketplace, but maybe people are sick of Gibbs and you're able to see if you can pocket Gibbs on your bench if you have the, the depth to do that. That'd be something to look at. Not saying that's going to be the case, but uh, no matter what, I'm treating him as an RB2. And another reason is because his highest snap share on the season is 61%. So they are looking to keep him fresh, but they also are showing that there are certain roles that they want him in and certain roles that they don't. I do like the capability that he is potentially receiver in the passing game. I, they, they, especially, I know it was against Denver, sorry, but they, they showed that he has more of a ceiling than just being in between the tackles grinder. But we have mm-hmm. to understand that he's most likely just in between the tackles grinder, and that's how we need to treat him. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. But, yeah, I mean, six yards per attempt, you, you like to see that for sure. And, you know, there's at least flashes from this offense, right? Like they put up 31 points on the Eagles this past week, hung Should've in that won. game. Should have <laughs> right? won. 
should have gone for two at the end there, but uh, yeah. that's a conversation for another day. Definitely, they've at least flashed some ability, right, as an offense, mm -hmm. like to the point where like you want to you're interested in the running back on this offense at, at the very least. So yeah, I don't mind that at all. I would at least explore, like if I go over to keep straight cut right now, they've got them as RB 18. I think at that price, I'm probably willing to sell off and see what else I can get. Um, yeah, it might be a situation in which you feel like you can convert that value into a wide receiver somewhere. And then if you need the running back later in the season, maybe you convert it back one way or another. That might be how I at least attempt at this point, just to see, you know, if somebody if somebody out there is just, you know, basing it off of the fact that he's the RB7 at this point in the season and they're looking past the rest of it and they value him a little bit higher in your league, then that's definitely something I'd at least explore at this point. I'm not feeling, you know, pressured to make that move but i do think it's at least worth exploring because yeah i don't see him finishing rb7 on the season i don't think many people do to be honest but at least uh there could be a window here that's worth exploring absolutely just have those conversations the worst thing that, that happens is that you build your relationships exactly uh, another guy that there's going to be a lot of conversations around currently is Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry, obviously, everyone was hoping for one more swan song, at least with him in his age 30 season this year. And it's been uh, it's been up and down, to say the least. He finally cracked 100 rushing yards this past week in this most random beatdowns of all time against the Cincinnati Bengals. Goes 22 for 122 with the score, adds a catch for 11 yards. It's, it's another case where you're a little bit concerned about the targets, right? Just averaging two targets per game. Tajay Spears has looked like the real deal as the backup who's actually out snapped him in a few cases it really seems like henry is becoming a more game script dependent back here we all know his potential in good game scripts but how many of those is he gonna have are we gonna be able to predict them um there's there's just a lot more questions than i think most people thought they were gonna have about putting derrick henry into their lineups at this point in the year so what's your take to me like I, I posted this question uh, to Skylar earlier today, actually. I said, uh, Derrick Henry versus Kyron Williams in a second. Which one would you take? Oh, you got to lean into Kyron in the second. Now, I, I understand the start your studs argument, but in about six months, Derrick Henry would be luckily worth a second. And you can right. almost have the opportunity to reset your running back position and then have the second on top to do whatever you please with, which another type of conversation would be, how we like to handle our draft picks, but I think we can talk about that at a different time. Yeah, well, with <laughs> with Henry, like his snap share is very concerning. Uh, I believe there was at least two games he was under 50 or in the 40s, I want to say, somewhere around there. And they don't seem to understand like what they want to do with him. Like, like you're talking about game script, right? Like I remember years they would be down 20 and they'd still be running Henry in the third quarter. Yeah. So it's not the same thing. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the offensive line or if it's that just they don't, the defenses don't care at all about Ryan Tannehill and they, they yeah. are just going to defend the crap out of Derrick Henry. So two points uh, two weeks ago, well, it was tough for me when I had him in my lineups, but I mean, you're probably, you're probably still running with him if you have him. but yeah, I don't really mind pursuing a trade where you know, uh, a running back that's being as productive, if not more productive, which yes, more, but, and a pick on top. I don't, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Yeah, just for context, 56% snap share for Derrick Henry on the season so far. 
Uh, he's getting absolutely buried, as you might expect, on keep trade cut right now, down to RB26 at this point. Like, Roshan Johnson is ahead of him on keep trade cut right now. And I don't know if I would uh, go quite that far, but you nope. can at least get an idea of where the public sentiment has him uh, at the moment. Seems like there's a lot of worry uh, out there. Wyatt's in the chat saying, who would have known it'd be correct to take Kyron in a second over Derrick Henry in week four? That's definitely the season we're into here in 2023. Uh, I want to talk about some wide receivers too, because uh, I mean, first off, we got to talk about Keenan Allen. Like what is going on? Keenan Allen is the wide receiver two on the season behind only Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. So much for him being too old to play, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just an, yet another season where uh, it pays off to trust your, your old studs, basically yeah. wide receiver two in PPR fifth in the league in target share. Like, do we see this slowing down? Mike Williams is out for the season. Quentin Johnston has not looked like he's about to blossom into a second half star uh, as the first round pick for the Chargers this offseason. Like, is there anybody that's going to really come for Keenan Allen's target share at this point? I think his name's Austin Eckler. But the yeah. thing is, Keenan Allen is open. He's not even just like getting peppered. He's open. Like yeah. his touchdown last week. He, yeah. There was no within within like four and a half yards of him on any side. So I don't I don't have any doubts that he's going to still perform well. I just I'm not going to ever say he's going to be all wonders for two overall. But we have sure. point totals of 14, 31, 44 and 12 in the 12. He only got five targets because they were they were dismantling the Raiders. So they didn't even have to throw the football. So I think that his floor has changed where obviously his ceiling is always been this way, but I don't think we're going to see this every week, but I think we're going to see a much more consistent, probably 14 to 16 points that you can really count on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Um, I just think that there's probably, I probably do want to buy Keenan Allen on my contending teams this oh, yeah. year, but I think this is probably not the time to do it. Like he'll even out a little bit and that's when I want to do it. Still only the wide receiver 26. If you're looking at keep trade cut, like Calvin Ridley is above Keenan Allen right now and keep trade. Of course cut, he is. I'd, I'd make that trade uh, 10 times out of 10 right now. Yeah. Uh, if I had Ridley. So there's some, there's definitely some options to explore is what I'm saying at this point, but I think I'm probably, I'm probably going to wait for Keenan Allen to normalize a little bit before I go out and acquire. But I do think that he like, I don't have any reason to believe that he can't be uh, definitely a wide receiver one for the rest of the season at this point. And that's something that you're obviously going to value for your contending teams here. Um, Another guy who's kind of in this same mold, but obviously slightly lower profile is Adam Thielen, who's been wide receiver 10 in PPR randomly, uh, 23% target share on the season has been absolutely kicking butt, a resurgence of sorts after many, and myself included, thought he was pretty much washed after he came out of Minnesota. What's your take on Thielen here? Do you... I think like you're probably trying to sell them and if you've got them on your roster, right. Or are you just riding with the points and, and uh, hoping it lasts all season long or what are you doing? So my brain says sell, but when it comes to fantasy, this is why we chase targets. Yeah. This right here is exactly why we chase targets because uh, a guy like Adam Thielen can average under 10 yards per target 
or I, actually, is it per? It might be per target. I can't remember if it's per target per reception. I know he had six, six, and then ten point like six target or yards per reception right now. Okay, so it's it's under it's under ten per per yards per uh, target. So basically, this guy is operating close to the line, but he's getting volume and volume and volume and volume. So this is why why we do it. He's going to be cheap if you want to go go acquire him. I the practice should be to sell him. I'm going to say this: the practice should be to go and get something for a guy that was worth nothing a month ago. Go get something, but it's really hard to to shy away from going and getting points that are going to produce out produce uh, the flex spot you're going to put them in. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard right now. Like Keep Trade Cut would say, he's still wide receiver sixty eight. Um, I mean, at that kind of pricing, that's like a third. Like if I can do that and add him to a contending squad, sure. Like I'll throw a third around for a wide receiver who's getting this kind of target share all the time. No questions asked there, but I think I think you're ex- at least exploring it. Like if you can if you can sell Adam Thielen for a second, I just think that's really good process, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's worth it's worth taking the win there. And then like we talked about the flexibility, right, of that pick. Um, something we talk about a lot is just getting these these early assets, these early spikes into into um, into your picks and into your more liquid assets that you can use later on in the season to actually address whatever you need at that point in the season before you're getting into your fantasy playoffs. It's just, uh, you're never going to be truly torn up about that move because you've at least afforded yourself outs and maybe Thielen does this all year long and he is, uh, has a complete resurgence at age, whatever he is like 32, 33 at this point. Yeah. Um, 33. Maybe, Maybe that happens, but I think the the smart money is to, if you can get the second, I would do that right now and just use that second later on. And you're going to find something along these lines. Like you, you're not going to get wide receiver one production, but I think the, the betting odds would have Adam Thielen the rest of the way well below wide receiver one production anyway. So I absolutely agree with that take. If you can get a second for him, you definitely have to move him. You just have to. And uh, I think something that's important too is, people get desperate when the season starts to end, especially if they're not in contention. So you're going to be able to, to pull a pretty good deal in most leagues with that second round pick and maybe throwing somebody else on top. Another thing I was thinking about too, is if you moved Thielen for, let's say, um, I don't want to say underperforming, but a young guy that hasn't broken out yet, that might be a way to kind of flip your, your roster over like very quickly. Um, but like, even like, for example, last year, uh, I was, I was in a league and I was just, I, I was out of it. I got eliminated in the first round of the playoffs and I was able to move, Ezekiel Elliott to the guy that made the final for Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry wasn't playing. Now mm-hmm. it didn't help him, and you know Derrick Henry's not performing as well. But people get crazy when when uh, opportunities arise to win a championship. So just kind of keep that in mind. You know, it's, it's just the second round pick is always going to be more um, desirable to the entire league market versus Adam Thielen. Just yeah. something to think about. For sure. Another wide receiver I want to talk about, Garrett Wilson. So obviously, Garrett Wilson um, really gets hurt by the injury to Aaron Rodgers. We all know that that's the case. But, I mean, he's still the wide receiver 25 on the season at this point. Um, He just oozes the ability that you you love to see, right? Like mm-hmm. I said before the season that I could see there being three potential 101s in next year's draft. I said Jefferson, Chase, and then Garrett Wilson was the third guy that I threw out there. Um, I do think that he's that elite of a talent, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. It's a tough go. Um, 
maybe if Taylor Swift can be in the audience and Zach Wilson will be better, uh, maybe <laughs> she can follow him around and we'll get something out of Garrett Wilson. Maybe uh, all us fantasy managers can arrange that together. Uh, but th- that notwithstanding, I don't know what we can realistically expect from Garrett Wilson. Yeah, maybe this is maybe this is it, right? Like back end wide receiver two, top end wide receiver three. He's still sixth in target share. Like he's he's gonna get it. He is that dude. Um, but is it really worth anything when it's Zach Wilson checking the ball? What's your take here, Tim? Well, he's had usable weeks, and I think that's what's important. They haven't been, you know, teeter totter seesaw, however you want to say it. Um, where he's only had really one week that you're kind of questioning, like, oh, uh, was that even worth playing? But think that's what's important i had he was my my dynasty wide receiver three going into the season so i i'm a big fan but i always had concerns where he hadn't actually hit like certain point thresholds for us to be like yes he's for sure cemented himself because you know one down season based on performance and you know he's a middle wide middle and wide wide receiver two but we're not seeing his performance or his point drop because of his performance. And I think that's something very important that we need to discern from the situation. Now, yeah, Zach Wilson has played pretty horribly, but maybe Zach Wilson plays a little bit better or um, they find a different way to, to better utilize even Garrett Wilson and his, his points go up even more. And he's, you know, back into that conversation again with Zach Wilson at quarterback, then you're never going to get him. So I think, yeah, I think if you can get Garrett Wilson at any sort of value, you should do that. But, um, just for argument's sake or just for kind of discussion, discussing the situation, there's always the, the opportunity where may not be for Garrett Wilson that we're talking about, but it could be another wide receiver that's a little bit over getting too much attention before the season starts. There's never a bad move to kind of tear down into what you perceive mm. probably to be the same tier and get something on top just for that safety sake. But I don't think Garrett Wilson ever fell into that bucket. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty fair. Um Garrett Wilson or Pukunakua in Dynasty? Oh, it's Garrett Wilson. It's gotta be. <laughs> I was just I was just seeing them close together on Keep Trade Cut, <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's other names like Jalen Waddles above Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is wide receiver ten on Keep Trade Cut right now. Jalen Waddles still ahead of him. Jalen Waddles has not been impressive. He's been pretty banged up, uh, kind of the last two years now feels like and Tyree Kill's still there and Hill's an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's something that you explore tearing down from Waddle to Wilson. If that's an option, I'd definitely be into something like that. Um, I Yeah, I'm just willing to do what it takes to get Garrett Wilson on my squads uh, because I do think he is that dude. Uh, we alluded to Ridley earlier, and I do want to circle back on that one because uh, the fantasy community was victory lapping, and they were ready to take Calvin Ridley to the moon. He was Dynasty wide receiver three or something. I don't know what exactly what happened, but everyone was over the moon after his week one performance, and since then, he has done absolutely nothing. He's now the wide receiver 36 in PPR, 19% target share, which is, frankly, nothing to write home about. What are we doing with Ridley if we've got him? Are we just riding it out and hoping that this kind of turns around and we get a few more bigger games? What's your rest of season expectation? I think it I think it bounces back just because that I think that offense is going to perform better. So yeah, that's something I would hang my hat on. But if there's still someone in your league that's super Ridley centric, I don't mind exploring that that deal or even getting them a little bit ramped up. Like, hey, I remember you said that this, 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 and this about Ridley, and then see if they're still into it and mm-hmm. uh, try to pursue it that way. But 
I mean, it's got to be better than this, but I think it was, I think it's pretty hilarious when we got all that top five upside stuff because there was a lot of talk, a lot of rhetoric, but not a lot of rankings uh, revealing where they actually had them. So I think it's very interesting. This is kind of, um, I wasn't expecting it to be so bad because I thought that offense would be better, but this is kind of what I was expecting with uh, Kirk kind of coming back. I was concerned because of their interests of run blocking in the first week. So that was a little bit concerning when it came to what the actual snap share was, but we see that the op- the offense operates pretty well when uh, Christian Kirk is the guy to target first. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I would, I was never really into Calvin Ridley, especially when he really got steamed up towards the end of the offseason. I was definitely selling off those prices. I feel like I feel like yeah, he's definitely going to be better than he has been the last 3 weeks. I don't think he was ever going to be quite as good as he was uh, steamed up to be after that week one game, but somewhere in the middle, like a wide receiver two, I can see that happening for the rest of the season. Um, at his age, though, like as a dynasty asset, like he's just an uninspiring, he's just another wide receiver two to me, right? Like I'd rather have Chris Godwin, um, a lot of these other names that kind of feel really similar in the end. So I just yeah. feel like there's... There's probably going to be some bounce back games from Ridley in the near future. He's probably going to have a, maybe even a, a couple hundred yard games back to back, and everybody will like the the yo yo will come all the way back. Everybody will be uh, right back on the train once again. And at that point, I think I might be evaluating if I can, yeah, if I can get Godwin plus right for my Ridley. If that if that's something I can do, that's something I'd be looking at. Um, yeah, there's just a few other names that I think will be really close in terms of production that I'd just be happier having. And I think you can like get younger at, uh, with Ridley too uh, at that exactly. point in the season. I agree with you. This is That was something I wanted to bring up as well. Is I think he falls now into a, a much larger bucket mm-hmm. where you just go ahead and pick and choose the guys that you want to target from that bucket. Because I think that the conversations would have been way different three weeks ago. But the, the conversations can still be had about um, kind of transferring guys that, that kind of fall within that same perceived tier that you can really target that you really want instead, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have to bring this guy up because I am noted as a Jahan Dotson stan, have been since I saw his tape at Penn State. It's not been terrific, uh, if we're being honest, for Jahan Dotson on the season. Right now, the wide receiver is 60 in PPR. His highest receiving yards on the season is 40. That's not going to get it done. Did have a nice touchdown at the end of the game there. Uh, Some nice hands. But, I mean, he had nine targets in the game, and that was only his fourth reception. So it wasn't exactly a massive showing on that front either. I do still like Dotson. Uh, I think personally I would still buy low if there is an opportunity to do that here uh, but it is I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't at least a little bit concerning that he's down to an 18% target share we saw some stuff at the end of last year that made us think that he might be rising in terms of commanding a target share and that hasn't really come to fruition through four games so far obviously it's still early in the season but are you adjusting expectations for Dotson moving forward? Do you think he's a buy uh, at this point or how are you treating him? So in my notes, and it's funny that you just said this with Ridley, but in my notes, I wrote, he's the yo-yo of fantasy football because <laughs> this is what happens every year. There's at least two of them wide receivers that drop in value 
And because the season's long and because they're good and because they're going to earn targets, they're going to come right back up and they're going to have, you know, a four or five week span in which they just dominate. You're going to be like, oh, well, we didn't see this coming. Actually, some of us probably did. So I think he's a, he's an absolute buy. Before before Sunday, his 85% snap share was his lowest of the season. I understand he might have some sort of injury currently, so there might even be um, an even lower price that you're paying. I think it's an ankle, if I have that correctly. So he's definitely a guy I think you should go grab because even if you have to hold him for the season and he's not as productive as you were hoping for, that he has uh, a long future ahead of him where he's going to play wide receiver and do it very well. So if you can get him for what is perceived to be another like bust receiver or even not, I I want to throw out ideas, but it's not ideas that I think are hundred percent in every league. But if someone's really um, big on what they're seeing from Josh Palmer and that Mike Williams is out for the season, maybe you sacrifice that wide receiver six or seven Josh Palmer on your team, throw a little something on top, have the guy that you're trading for trading to think he's getting a bunch of uh, points for the rest of the season. And you just nestle up against the Jahan Dotson for the rest of his career. Couldn't agree more. Uh, one more name that I did want to throw out there, guys actually playing right now is Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, guy that I have a bunch of shares of, and those shares have not come to fruition so far this season. Wide receiver 96 in PPR, just a 14% target share. Obviously, there was some concern about the fact that, you know, you have Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf there in Seattle, and they're going to command their targets, and JSN is going to have to work in as the rookie underneath those guys. So to some extent, I think it was uh, a little bit expected that JSN would not, you know, just come flying out of the gate all the way to wide receiver one status in year one. But is this enough sample size at this point that you're actually adjusting your priors on JSN or are you still uh, kind of viewing him exactly the same as you did before the season started? This is the, this is the ultimate trust the process pick where if you, whatever your priors were before, you should still be relying on those. Now I do have a little bit of concern about his depth of target. There's a, a report about his, uh, his huge um, yards of separation when he receives the ball. But a lot of the time he's catching the ball at the line of scrimmage or behind it. So there should be yeah. separation. So yeah. there, those numbers really don't, don't make sense for an argument's sake. Now I understand that there should be concern and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be somewhat concerned that he hasn't had even a breakout game where he was able to, to take advantage of, you know, lesser coverage, but could just be the routes that he's running. But for me, all I got to do is put on blinders until we either get more games or we get into the next season or the roles change a little bit because the routes he's running right now are not really productive routes and they're not going to be routes that he's going to put up a hundred yards unless he's breaking tackles around the line of scrimmage and going up the sideline. So for me, blinders, just keep my head down, be happy. I have JSN for next year and just kind of hang out. Yeah, I feel like that's probably about where I fall too. I'm paying attention for sure more than I thought I would be uh, just because it's been worse than I expected. Yeah. But I mean, he is only running uh, 63% of routes at this point. It's an 18% TPRR uh, targets per route run. So it's obviously a little bit better from that standpoint. But yeah, 2.4 ADOT, uh, as you're alluding to, like he's not even getting a chance to to go down the field. That's not mm-hmm. the role they're using him in right now. Be interesting to see what that looks like. Um, yeah, when they prioritize him a little bit more in the offense, if there's an injury to one of the other two guys, what that might look like at this point. Yeah, you're definitely not selling based on the early going because you'd be selling at a loss. Um, 
I might be interested uh, just knocking on the door. We'll see, obviously, the game going on as we record this here on Monday night. See how that goes and see if it's more of the same or if uh, there's any new information out of that game. But I think I'd be interested in at least knocking on the door uh, of the JSN manager in my league and just seeing what the price might be to acquire if it's come down a little bit from where it was. Uh, we got a question here. I traded Swift, Amara, and Collins for Mahomes, Saquon, and Devonta Smith. I'm assuming this is a 1QB. What do you think? Um, so Swift, Amon-Ra, and Devonta Smith. So Amon-Ra and Devonta Smith are fairly close for me. Collins and Saquon are probably probably somewhat close at this point. Um, maybe Swift and Saquon are closer. And then Collins for Mahomes. I, I think I'm on the Mahomes side. Um, just the elite asset there. Uh, and then kind of selling off on Swift and Collins just on the early season hype here. I think I'm okay with that. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I don't mind the cash in. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about Saquon to make sure he gets back healthy, but if he comes back healthy, you won the trade. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. All right. Well, this has been awesome, Tim. I'm really excited that we got to finally get this out there. Yeah, Tell the people where to find you. I think uh, you and I might have a lot of the same locales for our content, but uh, yeah, tell the people what they should click on. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, double N, double B, nubs, N, N, U, B, B, S. And then you can find us at JWB and then uh, it's what JW underscore FF. Mm -hmm. So hit us up and then um, hit us on the Discord because we're pretty active and, you know, we answer questions from line, some start stits, start, start sits <laughs> there it is. Uh, all the way to dynasty trades. So, yeah, anything in between, we definitely we hit it up and we like to talk about it. Absolutely. Definitely join in the JWB Discord server. Definitely a spot you want to be if you want to talk about Dynasty Fantasy all day long, every day. Uh, for myself, you can find me at NathanGN. <laughs> Tim threw in the notes here at the end. Blake Lively is still a dime. That is true. Why it says great show, guys. And on that, I think we are out.